0: initially i'm drawn to them they're confident they've sold me a vision over time if my experience does not reflect what what i've been told i'm going to start to feel misled essentially disrespected and over time the average ordinary individual as long as they have an ounce of their own self-confidence will start to detract from that individual
1: Hey everyone, it's Amy Lynn Durham, and you're listening to Create Magic at Work. Create Magic at Work is on a mission to equip senior leaders with tools they need to be a true quantum leader and actually understand what that means. Improve employee engagement, retain top talent, and transform your workplace culture to have less drama and stress. So let's start making magic. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Create Magic at Work, and today I have a very special guest on the show for you. It's Dr. Dante Vaughn. He is the CEO and managing partner of CultureWorks, a company dedicated to providing culture performance management solutions to help organizations measure, manage, and foster cultural change through real time learning and practice. I love that because I always say things like this are a daily practice and a life journey. And I think that applies to company culture as well. Dr. Vaughn is an expert in organizational leadership, workforce management, and company culture. He has over 17 years of senior level executive experience driving results in the public and private business sector, fostering the design and implementation of business growth and leadership strategies and serving companies throughout the U.S. and globally. Before launching CultureWorks, Dr. Vaughn founded and managed a boutique operational management consulting practice serving the growth business community. He has consulted with firms in providing labor strategy and workforce management solutions for the industrial market space. Dr. Vaughn's team reached out to me with (laughs) an email and I had to open it and read it because it said something like Atlanta doctor debunks the great resignation. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we've been talking about this through the pandemic. And we obviously create magic at work talks about workplace culture and going beyond EQ. So I couldn't resist having Dr. Vaughn on create magic at work for all of the listeners. So Dr. Vaughn, welcome to create magic at work.
0: Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited to talk about this. Okay, two things. One, if there's anything I left out that you want to share about yourself, I'd love to hear that right now.
0: You know, I I think your intro was was appropriate. You know, I would say the one thing I want to add is uh, for your listeners is I truly believe that it's important to show up as authentically as a leader as possible. And authentic leadership, I think, is something that is essential. And I try to exhibit that and I I hope that comes across in in our dialogue as well.
1: So let's talk about that because that's a big topic right now that keeps coming up is how can I be my authentic self in the workplace?
0: Yeah, and it's it's a question that we get off in the work that we do in helping leaders improve how they engage, how they interact, how they make decisions in, in business and in life. You know, I believe leadership is not a switch you can turn on and turn off. And it's ingrained in in, in who you are, and, and how you nurture those skills and abilities is is an important part of that. But to show up authentically, I think, requires a level of empathy, and I am and, and I'm we're going to talk about empathy, empathy a bit because I think that's an essential competency and skill. But I'm talking about empathy and self. One of the greatest Obstacles I had to overcome as a leader and as a person in general was self-forgiveness and recognizing that my failures do not define me, but serve as tools for me to excel. And we're, I think, programmed to believe that we do all that we can to hide from the mistakes we make, the failures we make. And I think part of that is also trying to exhibit or exude who we think people want us to be instead of leveraging our spiritual gifts and the things that we bring through our authentic self, because that's where you have the real impact. So I think it starts with our own evaluation of of what it means to be um, forgiving of self and recognize our own failures and mistakes as opportunities. And then when you start to do that, you start to build some other skills and and traits that help you to then manifest that in other people.
1: Oh my gosh, I have so much that came up from you. Speaking all of that, the fear of failure is rampant often in corporate culture. You bet. And the interesting thing is, We often fail forward, especially as an entrepreneur when you leave that. Okay, so the overall theme that came up is like ego. It's ego. It's ego. (laughs) I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to admit I'm failing. And the most interesting thing is part of being taking a quantum leap, part of being a quantum leader. All of those things is innovation through chaos, innovation through mistakes. Living on the edge of chaos, and then all of a sudden, you make this leap this huge leap in your company or in your leadership or whatever that is. So, you <laughs> I don't know, just the way you were speaking right now, I had all of that like, oh, it's the exercise of putting your ego aside and admitting mistakes and admitting failure and looking for the learning in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it equips you to then function in a with a level of transparency. Right, transparency. So part of being an authentic leader means that you're going to be open and transparent and doing so with a level of confidence. Um, I often use my own, my own lessons in life become the catalyst to me being able to influence the people you know you know as a coach, right? And and being able to say, Hey, I was in your shoes, I made those or similar mistakes, or I learned through this process or through this observation, or I practice enough empathy. To understand where another person was in their journey and then now I can share their testimony. Right. So authentic leader manifests in so many different ways.
1: There's a lot of systemic things that obviously are there, but no wonder why people can't feel like they can be their full, whole, authentic selves in the workplace if a leader is unable to be that as well. Sure. Because they're modeling who who the person is in the room that is in the highest power position and if that person is only showing parts of themselves not admitting mistakes not recognizing failure or looking for the innovation in that no it's going to ripple out so what are some <laughs> you looked like you were going to comment on that sorry go ahead no i i,
0: I could keep going so i'm i'm I'm, I'm a shush <laughs>
1: Tell me a little bit about what got you into this work. And and if you could share, because you focus on company culture, I'd love to hear a little bit more on what you're seeing in regards to the ripple effect of the great resignation or what some are calling the great awakening and things like that and what you think it truly was or is.
0: Sure, sure. So as part of your first question, I started in this. Really, because of my interest in and fascination, frankly, with how people came together. You know, I've shared before that I grew up in inner city in Philadelphia. I I navigated my world cautiously and I tried to um, be conscious of who I hung out with and who I engaged with because I didn't want to find myself going down a, a statistical path. But I mean, through that, I almost became. Switzerland right and 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 I could run with different groups and kind of learn through experiences but I was always fascinated of group dynamics and how people came together and who was who was who aligned themselves as the leader and 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 how did people function to realize an outcome now that was since I was a kid and and I learned that through joining sports teams and 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 being a part of organizations did I ever think that that would manifest into me traveling down the academic and professional road of studying organizational dynamics and, and and human dynamics and organizational constructs and in psychology of of people? No, I thought I was going to be the quintessential thing that everyone thought I should be: the attorney, the uh, the businessman in general context, the politician. You know everything. But what I'm doing now and, and and but my passion for understanding and interacting with with people and having real impact, I had a gift of having that influence um and that really manifested in me. I started in operations and logistics and started to navigate my my career in retail and shifted from retail to light and heavy industrial and and really I'm starting to understand organizational processes and systems and through that, I started traveling down the academic journey of, of operations management and human capital strategies and all those things. But but the real heart of what I was most interested in, passionate, was centered around people, right? And understanding people dynamics and and what makes people move and click and what influences them. The power of influence is a significant one. And what do you do with that? That's what I did and and you know, I studied all the way through my doctoral research human dynamics and, and people and understanding organizational leaders and and, and the factors that influence um, how they optimize their impact on a business. And, and through that work, I've done a lot of research and continue to do a lot of research on, you know, the imp- implications economically and in business at large. And I kept hearing, you know, you hear a lot of these themes and I'm somewhat of a disruptor. So bear with me, Amy, because Everything from the social movements that have happened in the last couple of years, this hyper-focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, now DEIB, the belonging piece in that, and these are all important topics and focus areas strategically for an organization. And as a strategist, I believe in them. But centered around these core strategies is a lot of rhetoric and misnomer and frankly, a lot of deflection and, it, and it's starting to frustrate me. And that's really what led to this conversation around the great resignation or what I'm calling the great resignation myth. Because what I've seen is. And they've called it the great reshuffle and all this other stuff. And the idea is the premise that I've started to hear. Was around the reason or the rationale. Or an organization's inability to attract and retain talent is rooted in everything else. But what that organization has done to influence their positioning in the marketplace as an employer of choice It's the government's fault. You know what? We paid all of these these economic stimulus payments and now no one wants to work. You know what? It's because of immigration. You know what? It's this political party's problem and it's their issue. And it's like, wait a minute. All the statistics I'm reading suggest otherwise. I saw an employment rate at 3.5%. It was at its height at 10% in in 2009. 65% reduction in unemployment rate. It's It's relatively leveled out minus the implications of the pandemic. You can't normalize the last decade over the pandemic, right? When I saw the number of unemployed people, 15 million people were unemployed in, since 2010, compared to 5 million today, right? when I saw the unemployment insurance claims, 30% of the total people who are, are reported as unemployed actually file claims. So I'm looking at this data saying, wait a minute, so what does this tell me? That's the lowest it's been since 2005. So if I see all the data suggesting, wait a minute, is it a great resignation? Or is it that is or is it people? It's not that people don't want to work. People don't want to work for you, meaning your organization. What are you doing to attract and retain the talent? When when over fifty five percent of the working population is of a demographic that's misunderstood. So that's what really led me down this path of challenging business leaders to explore what are you doing about your leadership culture and how you approach engagement and interaction and decision-making in your business that has perpetuated this perceived great resignation.
1: <laughs> I love everything you just said a hundred percent. And I was just talking to someone this morning about this, and it, it's, this is the way that companies are going to differentiate themselves from each other. And that's it's right. not for one particular person to try to take on if they work in a toxic workplace to overhaul their company's toxic workplace culture. No, find a company that's already resonating with these higher level leadership skills. And pretty soon the the system's going to change by default because you're going to be the employer of choice. That if you're a leader that's holding up the mirror to yourself, doing the work you need to do as a leader to make sure that your company is operating from a place of these higher skill sets like SQ, like spiritual intelligence, like making wise and compassionate decisions in this quantum leadership space. When you were sharing all of that, okay, there's this meme <laughs> on Instagram, and it always cracks me up, and I always laugh about it with my best friend but it's a picture of a chihuahua like with its face like and its eyes squinted like and it's like when you finally start getting as you know when you finally start figuring things out or when you finally start getting what's going on it's like wait a minute is like the look on the chihuahua's face (laughs) like wait a minute here and When you were talking, I don't know why that flashed in my head because I pictured somebody sitting in traffic in like a three-hour commute, saying during lockdown, "Wait a minute here, (laughs) you know, like hold on a second, like I've been bamboozled a little bit here. Like it's all—it's a great awakening. Like why am I killing my soul in in my life where I'm at right now? Let me, let me shift. Let me." Look for something that feels more soul uplifting rather than soul crushing. Let me find that environment because it's the people in power and, and the leaders at the top that I feel they have they have a responsibility to provide that. My question for you and all of this leaders that you've interacted with, it's it's a super burning, curious question I have is, have you seen leadership and leaders where people are following someone because you just, you mentioned how you studied, how, why do people follow people, all these things where people follow someone they're mistaking confidence with competence. And what do you, what would, what would you do in that situation? What would you, what advice would you give if someone's caught up in that scenario where all these people are surrounding someone that's mistaking confidence for competence?
0: So a couple of things come to mind in that question. Generally speaking, someone who is inclined to follow an individual who exhibits all the confidence in the world, results matter. The impact that that individual has on that as a leader on the individual who has made the decision to follow will dictate how long uh, they decide to subject themselves to that experience. From a Maslow's hierarchy of need perspective, right, uh, an individual has first an, a fundamental desire to ensure that that all the things that keep them whole, air, food, water, safety, that those things are realized. And then as you progress up this hierarchy of needs, the sense of connection and belonging and, and value is important as well. Perceive that other people see the value in your presence in your existence and your contribution. So' that's, in, that's innate in, in, in all of us as human beings. So if I'm following someone who initially I'm drawn to them, they're confident, they've sold me a vision. Over time, if my experience does not does not reflect what I what, what I've been told, I'm going to start to feel misled, essentially disrespected. And over time, the average ordinary individual, as long as they have an ounce of their own self confidence, will start to detract from that individual. And so I think if everyone remains in tune to their own value and who they are and what they bring, you start to quickly identify whom you should follow. Versus those individuals where you want to start to keep a little bit of a distance. And here's the thing about understanding value. And I think this is so essential. And as I'm raising a a toddler myself, I'm I'm learning the importance in in this. If you can instill self-value and self-worth. Then when you have all these influences and influencers. Surrounding you. You know, you have a buffer and a point of reference that says, wait a minute, what you're asking me to do or what you're encouraging me to do doesn't align with my value system and the value that I bring or the impact that I can potentially have. I think that's more important than shielding yourself from those individuals or those influences or influencers. So I think equally yeah, you may start following the leader, but quickly, if you understand your impact and your value, you're going to challenge that leader. And eventually. You're going to either be pushed away or drawn to one another. That's just our universe. That's just physics, positive and negative
1: forces. Yeah, I always feel and talk about how sometimes leaders are put in place where there was. People are mistaking confidence for competence. And then we're stuck with narcissistic leaders in systems that aren't working. And I've never asked that on the show before, but I just, the way you were talking, and I I had to ask you that. And I, I thank you for that answer because it does start with being really clear on who you are and what you stand for. And that's a big part of spiritual intelligence is, is the first part is, is hey, have I taken a moment to figure out what my values are and even ranked them to make my life decisions by for this particular season in my life? That's a, that's a whole entire skill in SQ. So having a values hierarchy, understanding what that is and being able to live in alignment with that is really where you can find some inner and outer
0: peace by doing that yeah imagine in the midst of turmoil and chaos when decisions need to be made when actions need to be taken imagine having a frame of reference that remains stable and steady and consistent that's your value system and we apply we apply that same approach in 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 our book and when we talk about cultural performance management the first pillar of cultural performance management is establishing a value system. What are the guidelines, the principles by which everyone should, should influence their engagement and interaction and decision-making every day? Because if we lose that, then what happens, right? And mm-hmm. we're in a society where many people and organizations have lost sight of what are the values that we said help us and equip us to thrive in the first place? Let's be clear about that.
1: Yeah. It gives you a great, almost foundation or touch point to know that you have that if you spend some time on it with a coach or with someone like you, because then if you're caught in these situations in real life where you are about to make a knee jerk decision, wait, wait a minute, let me go back to what I really, who I really am, what I really stand for. And let me, let me have a gut check with this to see. And if, this is in alignment with who I feel I really am. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Gosh, this is, this is a cool conversation. Also, you talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and I, I was thinking about it and I feel like companies or the workplace culture in, in general is kind of going through, you know, the steps of the pyramid a little bit. And in SQ spiritual intelligence is at the top of the pyramid right there with self actualization, right? That's the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. I was talking with a friend about, it was about Maslow's hierarchy of needs this morning. It's so synchronistic that you brought it up same day. And we were talking about how companies have, have moved forward to where, you know, they offer healthcare, they offer benefits and then they kind of went into the belonging feeling, which is the next level where, I was thinking of the Silicon Valley tech companies. Oh, here's a foosball table and all the snacks <laughs> you can have and like the little belonging feeling, right? Or the big belonging, I shouldn't say little. Something's missing there though. And, yes. and to me, it's what you and I are talking about. It's the the space that to where you can become the best you can be and be your full self at work. And that requires leaders to... Weed their own garden. I don't like and and fix their own, so it ripples out, so everyone else can have permission to do that. It's a great responsibility that you have as a leader. So anyway, I have we have oh gosh, we're already like going going over on time. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> so ask weird. you. I'm gonna ask you right now, because I ask every guest, and this is a great way because this conversation was so full of this. What does quantum leadership mean to you?
0: So so many things come to mind when I hear quantum leadership, but I can tell you what's been top of mind for me is when I think about quantum leadership, just like quantum physics, it's this notion of being forward thinking. And being forward thinking and to be effective at it requires you to think beyond self. So quantum leadership for me is being a forward thinking leader in the context of being having the ability to explore people, circumstances, situations beyond one's self, one's self-interest. So then that means I have to be selfless. That means that I have to have enough desire and and and, and intent to seek to understand the circumstances, the situations, the factors of past, present in order that will inform my future. And I I, I think so when I think about quantum leadership, I think in that context, what's required of of leaders to truly possess the ability to, to think progressively in a manner that can have a positive impact on people around them? And that means you have to be in tune with and connected with with. All things and all people. So I, I I think of quantum leadership in the context of not just innovation or creativity, but reflective, cognitive empathy and, and awareness and connection.
1: Yeah. The ability to put your day-to-day concerns re- aside yes, and operate yes. from a big picture view. Yeah, and, you have yeah. to. And you're touching on, you know the experience that the understanding or that deep knowing that we are all connected and that we are all one and how how to foster that in a productive way. You so bet. yeah, thank you for that. Okay. It is magic time. <laughs> We're going to go, I'm going to pick a card for everyone listening and for you, Dr. Vaughn. It's a message meant for you today. Okay. This one's popping out, so we're going to go for it. (laughs) So we got courage. This is from my journal prompt card deck that everyone is familiar with. So the message for everyone is courage. I am open to adventure. And I leave space for the unimaginable to appear in my life. Okay, this is a vulnerable question. Are you ready for it? Can, I'm ready. Yeah, okay. So, one of the question for you and for everyone listening to to think about is: what parts of your life have have been closed off where you've been afraid to try something new?
0: What well, parts of my life? have been closed off where I've been afraid to try something new.
1: Yeah. Man. You got you know, that deep um, one.
0: <laughs> that is a deep one. I know. Right,
1: many,
0: <laughs> many parts. You know, I've always considered myself a relatively courageous leader, but the reality is um, there are fears that that get in the way. You know, I think one of the greatest fears that I had was becoming a father. One thing I was afraid of, as I anticipated fatherhood and the birth of my son was screwing him up, making decisions in his life that would perpetuate an experience for him that became traumatic because I had many traumas in my life. And I think because of that, you know, it has required me to tap in the courage to be vulnerable and take risk with my son and ensuring that I don't perpetuate this perception that failure's a bad thing. I used to walk on tippy toes to ensure I didn't make any mistakes as a kid. I didn't want to disrupt my environment. I didn't just wanna disrupt anything. I just wanted to get good grades and try to stay out of trouble and just but it's through, as we shared earlier, it's through those mistakes, through those through through those failures that you learn and you grow, that includes for me as a father, I have to be okay with taking some risk and in, de- in decision making with my son, and it, and it, and sometimes it's the subtleties in that. And I've been so regimented and you know in in how I've approached my relationship with my t- son for fear that I'm gonna screw something up, and I started to really open myself up to just. Being more vulnerable, trying something different with them, and maybe it's something as simple as how we play in the playground and and the and the things that we explore with that, or you know what, let them go and do. You know, I've told them, I've warned them, I've exposed them to the risk. You know, at what point do I balance that with with the life's lessons that are that are learned through experience, right? So, just as a father, so I think that's something I've been knowingly afraid to do is take a leap in terms of our relationship as young as he is now and what that really means i have to be okay with messing up right uh, and 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 not in any significant way i'm not and, and i have to recognize that not every mistake is going to be dramatic. you know what i used to watch my son and sit on edge just for him to swallow a piece of Food that he's trying. He has a mouthful of teeth, Dante. It's okay. (laughs) And if he chokes a little, allow his gag reflexes to teach him how to spit it out. Now that sounds so silly, but that's indicative of how I've navigated this dynamic with my son. It's like, no, Dante, his gag, every child development expert will tell you a baby or a child gagging a little to teach its body, its response to not have something go down its throat appropriately is a part of their development. You can't slap it out of him every time he he gags. You can't take it out of his mouth. That's what I was doing. So I'm not teaching him gag reflex. So it's the subtleties in that and how I apply my fatherhood because it's rooted in my own fear. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you. You could literally pause this episode and rewind to the beginning of your answer and picture and apply it to leadership in the workplace, right? That's Just right. Every single thing, like I encourage everyone to like, so, like rewind it and think about who you're working with that you might be overworking to compensate for their underworking or overdoing because you're afraid someone else in your charge or, you know, is going to make a mistake. And you could literally listen to everything you just said and like, oh my gosh, like let go a little bit. Let's, de- let's detachment a little bit, you know, detach a little bit. So you bet. really good. Thank you. How can people get a hold of you if they want to know more about Culture Works and what you do for companies and company culture?
0: Sure. I mean, one of the fastest ways is to visit our website. It's getcultureworks with an X. As in xylophone, so g e t c u l t u r e w o r x dot com. So getcultureworks dot uh, You can go to our story page and or our contact us page and in all of our contacts there. All of my social media links are accessible through our website. You can meet other members of my team. We're open to just having the conversation. Let's just let's just talk about workplace culture and, and the experiences you're having as a leader in the business and. And, and how we may be able to help you. That's the easiest way to reach us.
1: Perfect. And all of those links will be in the episode show notes that people can just click on right on their phone as well. Awesome. We'll drop those in there too. So awesome. thank you so much for being a guest on Create yeah. Magic at Work. Uh, My we definitely sent some me. magic today to the listeners. So thank you.
0: Appreciate it, Amy. Thanks so much.
1: Hi everyone, Amy Lynn Durham here. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found at createmagicatwork.net, or you can just look in the show notes in the episode and they're right there for you. Come back each week and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Keep joining us for more exciting episodes where we help you transform workplace culture to leaders that create less drama and stress and have high productivity and profitability. You have the power to create a burnout-free workplace right now. You can gain access to my new course, Create a Burnout-Free Team and Workplace, where you'll receive step-by-step tutorials in creating a team and organization that thrives. Click the link in the show notes to join us. I hope we brought a little magic to your day. Sending magic to everyone, and see you next time.